God still calls people to study his word and pray over his word and to stand and to proclaim before not only a, a, a sanctuary full of people like this, but no telling how many scores of people out by way of uh, media, social media, and so on and so forth, to stand up and to proclaim God's word. That still happens, and yet many want to reject those messages. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together around His Word tonight. Well, we have finally reached that time where we're going to conclude the series, Ezra, part four, the last part of verse four. It's probably about time. Here's what we've been dealing with. The nation of Israel had drifted away from the things of God very much alike our nation today, very much alike the culture in which I live in even today. Many, I would say most, have drifted away from God. Surely the Bible is right when it says the way to destruction is broad, and a lot of people find that. Now, one of the things we're going to deal with toward the end of this message is trying to help you understand that God goes by many names in the Bible. Many labels are assigned to him which reflect his character and the qualities. One of those is Jehovah Rapha, which means the God who heals, watch this, or the God who restores, restores. If there's ever been a time in the history of humanity where God needed to restore humanity, it is now, in particular, in the United States of America. Now listen, I'm not a negative person. I'm not. I consider myself a realist. As I look around, I realize that, spiritually speaking, things are bleak in our own country, even in our own area. So many are so estranged from God, drifting from God, but there is hope because God is the God, Jehovah Rapha, the God who restores. Perhaps you need to be restored. Some of you that I'm speaking to right now, you have known better days spiritually, or perhaps you've never known really good days spiritually. You've had this emptiness inside of you from, uh, for as long as you can remember. Perhaps you've been thinking there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be something beyond the grave, something to give us hope. Well, indeed, there is, and the Bible brings us the answer to that. Well, we're going to jump right on into it. Ezra chapter 10 is the text for this particular teaching. And I'm going to read one verse in your hearing. It's found in verse number 12. Ezra chapter 10 and verse number 12. And the record puts it this way. The whole assembly, the entire assembly responded with a loud voice. You are right. We must do as you say. They were indicating to Ezra, Ezra, you are right. But we must respond. We must do as you say. Let's see what that's all about. Father, I pray for each one listening in right now, and I pray 
in Jesus' name, by your word, by your spirit, that you would draw men and women, boys and girls, to yourself, perhaps back to yourself. Restore us, restore our land, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'll be back here in just a few moments to wrap things up. God bless you. I'm not actually a study note, but this is one of the questions on the bottom of your study notes. And I would uh, uh, encourage you, with everything in my heart, I would encourage you to ponder this in the coming hours, in the coming days. Beloved, the key is to ask, am I pursuing the things of God? And watch this. Don't just depend on what you think. Because on occasion, I think I look like Elvis. And then I go look in the mirror, and the mirror don't lie. I don't look like Elvis. Y'all don't have to be so happy about that. I'm sure not. Hey, don't just go by what you think. Well, I think I'm pursuing the things of God. Talk to some trusted uh, accountability partners. Say, hey, how am I doing with this? And maybe they'll ask you some hard questions like, hey, do you own one of these? What am I holding, church? Have you been reading this? Yeah, I read it once. What's your point? I know John 3.16 and that verse about not drinking too much, which when being interpreted means I can drink a little. Hey, have you been praying? Yeah, I, I prayed once. We'd run out of money last month and didn't have money for the light bill, so I got the little lady together, and we prayed. Dear God, if you don't do something, we're going to be out in the cold. Desperation prayers, wouldn't you say, Brother Logan? Mm-hmm. Hey, let me tell you a better way. Do you know that God is always at work around you? When? Always. And that the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. And that prayer is not what I'm doing right now, a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. I've said to you before, and I'm going to keep preaching this till my teeth fall out, and then I'll just gum it to death. And these bad boys ain't likely to fall out. They're glued in there real good. <laughs> Beloved, we need to spend a lot of time listening for that still small voice. I do not have much to say to an eternal sovereign God, but I'm here to tell you, he has a whole lot to say to me. And we need to listen. And we need accountability partners that will push us on that and, and, and hold us to that. Are, are you praying? What are you praying about? You're praying about the things of God? Or are you just asking God, the great Santa Claus in the sky, to give you another toy? You know what God's concerned about? You don't have to guess about that. Go to Luke chapter 15. You'll find out what God's concerned about. God is concerned about lost people. That's what he's thinking about all the time is lost people and how to, how to, to, to uh, influence those lost people to come to himself so he can love them and save them and take care of them and spend eternity with them. That's what God is concerned about. You know what his children are concerned about? Lost people. Hey, church, how you doing with that? 
Oh, I'm pretty happy here this morning, preacher. Us four and no more. Me and my youngins, we're all here. And my aunt and my uncle, we're all here. And afterwards, we're all going to Clarence's. How, it couldn't be any better than this. What in the world's wrong with that preacher this morning? Here's some good news. You ready for that? America is home to a lot of born-again, spirit-filled persons that believe the truth of the Bible and consistently communicate with God in prayer. America is full of people that remain focused. They've set their face like a flint. In other words, they're hard-headed about the things of God. They remain focused and they remain passionate about the things of God. Isn't that good? It is. Just every week I run into some of those people and we have conversations and we can fellowship and we can talk about our Heavenly Father and His Son Jesus and the Spirit that fills us. There's a lot of people like that uh, even in your neighborhood. But listen to me, church. It's, that is not true enough. It's not true enough that is in the majority of the cases. Should that concern us? Well, Jesus spoke in Matthew 23, and he presents to us seven woes. Now, when we read that, we're like, Whoa, 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 so, so, so. It's you know, W-O-E. How bad could that word be? I mean, if it was really bad, it would have at least four syllables, right? How bad could this be? When you see woe in the Word of God and it's coming forth from the lips of Jesus the Christ, that's the same as God saying to you, Hey, y'all, listen to me. When I was a little boy, every now and then, I would hear, Terry, that's what my mommy called me. And I'd say, yes, mommy. Every now and then, I would hear, Terry Eugene, only to look around and see a red-headed mama with a dead gum fly swatter in her hand holding the plastic and the wire sticking out, me knowing what's getting ready to happen. I paid attention. That was like mama saying, whoa. Are you with me? God is saying, listen to me. There's danger up ahead of your actions. Listen to verse 37 of Matthew 23. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets. <laughs> who in their right mind would kill a prophet? God's spokesperson. They did. And stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her little chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. And Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament book of Psalm when he put that 
out there. Jesus says that God has sent numerous prophets to Jerusalem to call them back to obedience. Listen to me, church. That's what God does. God looks down and sees this fiasco that we call life these days. And his heart is to reach into those hearts and to draw such ones back to himself, to love them back to himself in order to redeem them, to restore them unto himself. That's what our gracious God does. But rather than listen, says study note number five, many continue to stone the prophets that are sent. God's messenger that's sent with a good message. Many continue to reject the messenger with the life-saving message. Can I encourage you? This just hit my spirit. Beloved, don't you write off every preacher nowadays as just another guy spouting off his opinion. I'm here to tell you God still calls people to be his mouthpiece. God still calls people to study his word and pray over his word and to stand and to proclaim before not only a, a sanctuary full of people like this, but no telling how many scores of people out by way of uh, media, social media, and so on and so forth, to stand up and to proclaim God's word. That still happens, and yet many want to reject those messengers. Jesus says that God has wanted to gather them under his wing for protection, but they're not willing. Can you imagine? The chicks are distracted and derelict. Let me see if I can wrap this up. The Bible record of Israel straying, I've been telling you for about four weeks now, it is a warning to other straying people. Let me do that one more time. That's why I didn't go through a bullet list of what's wrong with America a while ago. I've tried to go back to Israel and talk to you about Israel and the Bible record and suggest to you that we're still seeing reflections of those things even today. That Bible record of Israel straying is a warning to other straying people. So, can Ezra... Help us comprehend how to get out of this mess, out of this morass? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Look again in verse 1 of chapter 10. I want to walk you through this kind of quick, but don't, don't quit on me yet. While Ezra was praying and confessing, what was he doing? Weeping and throwing himself down. Throwing himself down. Before the house of God, a large crowd of Israelites, men, women, and children, that included, involved everybody, gathered around him. And we're told they too wept bitterly. He was weeping bitterly. They too wept bitterly. Beloved, will you listen to me? There is one and only one primary indicator that repentance has taken place within the life of an individual. It is a season of praying 
and confessing. A season of praying and confessing. Also, this just really jumped out at me in my personal time this week. I think it's, it's not just dramatic flair when he says here that the people wept bitterly. He's not just trying to be melodramatic here. But when it puts forth that there was bitter weeping, beloved, these people were deeply, sincerely broken. They were broken before God. I wonder, is there a brokenness among our own fellowship today? A brokenness before God? Verse 3, Ezra says, now. Everybody say now. Now, here's what we do, folks. Let us make a covenant before God. Let us purpose right here and now, not formulate a committee, not go through some time of study, but right here and now that we're going to change how we interact with God. Let me ask you, New Life, when is the last time you changed any one little thing about your devotional life? When is the last time you changed any one little itty-bitty thing about your word time before God and your prayer time before God and your interaction, your fellowship with the other members of the body of Christ? Well, preacher, some of us guys decided just this week to uh, go play golf together, and we're going to pray before we hit tee off. Well, bless your heart. I'm talking about being broken before God, beloved, and some serious koinonia fellowship where it isn't about some other extracurricular activity as well as that may be, and I encourage that. But I'm talking about something a lot deeper than that. Are you with me? From now on, Ezra says, it's going to be in accordance with the counsel of my Lord and of those who fear the commands of our God. Let it be done according to the law. Just to cut to the chase, we learn shortly that Ezra engaged a time of, watch this, a time of intercessory fasting for his beloved Israel. Does anyone pray with that fervent intensity anymore? Eventually we find out that all the people were sitting in the square before the house of God. This was not just a, a remnant handful, but all the people. And Ezra stood, and Ezra preached to them, you all have been unfaithful. Now, make confession to the Lord, the God of your fathers, and do his will, verse 11. Look at verse 12 of Ezra chapter 10. The whole assembly responded with a loud voice and they said to Ezra, you are right. We must do as you say. We must heed God's call. Number six. Is there any chance a scene like this could once again develop from within the ranks of the American population? Is it possible? Hey, with God, all things are possible. It is. But you know what? It's up to us. It's up to the individuals. Is there an Ezra available? Sometimes I look around. I have to ask myself, especially in anticipation of 
retiring from this type of ministry? Because to be honest with you, I can't keep up with it anymore. But as I look around, I'm like, is there an Ezra? Is there another one that's committed, not to a few months, but to decades? Is there one that's still passionate about the things of God? Is there an Ezra available? And are the people willing to listen? Can we once again observe a repentance, even a nationwide repentance? Many of you that have studied the Word know that God has a lot of names because God is. He is. And one of those names is Jehovah Rapha. Follow me here. Jehovah Rapha. Let me help you understand. Jehovah Rapha. It means the God who heals. What does it mean? The God who heals. Watch this. Also inherent in that word is the word restore or restoration which has been emblazoned in my heart for the last many weeks. God, watch this. God first revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha to the Israelites after their exodus from Egypt. Many of you will remember this well. After three days of wandering in the desert, can you imagine the great victory of the Red Sea and then wandering around in the desert for three days? And the Israelites desperately needed some water. Water! Water, their canteens had run out. And voila, they come upon a river. And as you will recall, the waters were bitter. The waters were unfit to drink. Watch this, a type of sin. Consequently, the Israelites named that river Marah, the Hebrew, which means bitter. Now there is another, Everybody say another. There is another tremendous type or typology submitted here. God miraculously cleansed those waters. Listen how he did that. He instructed Moses, his spokesperson, a human being, to grab a stick and throw it in the river. How many of you know that's the dumbest thing you done ever did here? A whole river full of bitter water and God tells them to throw a stick in it. Most of us would say, are you kidding me? There needs to be some chemistry going on here. We need to pour something in that water. That needs some Clorox in it. Throw this stick in it, a piece of wood. And you know what Moses did? Number one, help me church, he obeyed. He throwed it in the river, just like God told him to. That piece of wood, the type of a cross, served as some sort of sanctified catalyst to purify the waters of that river. How cool is that? Look at your neighbor and tell him that's pretty cool throw a stick in the old bitter river and it turns good enough to drink. 
following that miracle, and indeed it was a miracle, God declared himself as Jehovah Rapha, the healer, the restorer. Listen to Exodus 15. If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commands and keep all His decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Rapha, Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord, the God who restores you. How many of you know sin is bitter? What are you talking about, preacher? Sin's fun. Problem with you preachers, you need to get out a little bit more. No. Sin is bitter. It leads to chaos, which leads to destruction. Our world is embittered by it. How many of you know we need some wood applied? Beloved, that's going to do it for this series, and we're going to wrap it up this way. Let me go back to a verse that we just uh, reiterated during the, the latter part of the live teachings found in Exodus chapter 15, and it says this, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes. Not what is right in our eyes or our mind or our heart, but we do what is right in His eyes. If you pay attention to His commands and keep all His decrees, all of them, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you or restores you. Now, obviously, this is given under the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and none of us can keep all of the law. But through Christ, we can be set free from that lifestyle and, and brought into connection with a power that will enable us to live a lifestyle. Oh, certainly there will be some falters. There will be some stumbles. There will be some blunders because of our a lack of judgment. But we can live a lifestyle, a consistent day-to-day, moment-by-moment lifestyle of following after the things of God and thereby be in receipt of a blessed life. Is that something you're yearning for? Have you faltered? Have you stumbled? Are you away from the Lord? Is there an emptiness in your spirit that only God can feel? If you haven't been born again, you haven't received the Spirit of God, then, beloved, there is an emptiness there. And I want to be an encouragement to you to settle that issue once and for all. Open up your heart. Invite Christ to come in. He's knocking at the door, we're told in Revelation. Invite Him to come in to be the Lord of your life, to be your Savior, to bring to you a fullness of life unlike anything else you've ever experienced, an abundant life, full and overflowing. Father, I, th- I pray for each and every one listening in to this telecast, and I pray that by your word you have drawn and will continue to draw men and women, boys and girls, to yourself. May they find you and find relationship with you through your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask, we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen, beloved, if you'd like some more information about how to connect with the body of Christ. There's a website there on the bottom of the screen. If you'd click on that or give us a call, 
I would be glad to get you that information, and I really mean that. Give us a call. We'd love to connect with you. I want to remind you that New Life has a regular schedule of activities Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We also have midweek activities Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock. We call that Family Ministries Night. Might be something just for you. I'm Terry Knight, and the pastor of New Life Community Church. Trust you're going to have a great week, what's left of it. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you?